0: Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday meeting podcast. Serenity Sunday is now hybrid, meeting in person at Roxbury Park in Beverly Hills and on Zoom. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroups webpage at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live in either iteration. Now that we're meeting in person, Serenity Sunday has regular meeting expenses and would appreciate Seventh Tradition donations to help support the meeting and this podcast. You can donate via Venmo at Serenity Sunday, last four digits of the phone number are 6255 or through PayPal, Serenity Sunday 1212 at gmail.com. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday podcast are those of the individual speaker and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. And now,
1: our speaker. Hi, I'm Ellie Compulsive Overeater. Hi, Ellie.
0: It's good to
1: see all of you. And um, I've passed around my pictures, which basically tells my story. I was never really obese. I was what I used to call pleasantly plump, um, although it wasn't pleasant to be that way. Um, My lowest weight was 101, which you'll see at the very top of the pictures. I was 21 at the time. The next picture, I was 48, and I had ballooned out to about 150. And when I look at that picture, which I hope we'll have an opportunity to share, I feel that I actually looked older than I had in the last picture, which was a year after I joined the program. So I've been as low as 100, as high as 150. I'd say I'm about midway or I'm about 107 pounds now. I've been a size 2 and I've been a size 12. And that's kind of like the story, just yo-yo back and forth and back and forth. My problem started a long time ago, having nothing to do with weight. Uh, When I was younger, I would always see myself as ugly. I then, when I gained weight, I was fat and ugly, and this persisted for a long time. I can't tell you why. I don't know, and it doesn't really matter. I do know that I came from a very loving family, and they told me that they, they loved me. They cared about me. I could do anything that I wanted to. I was very capable. I was very smart, I was pretty, and I just thought that they were lying because they were my parents. So I came to program when I was 59 and a half. So for those of you who think it's too late, I will say it's not too late. If you are out of ideas, which is what I was, out of ideas.
0: Couldn't do it.
1: I'd been on every diet. I'd been on Weight Watchers. I was a Weight Watcher. I was on MetroCal when I was younger. And the best thing that I found for the use of the cans were to use as rollers. (laughs) So always up and down and up and down. When I came, as I said, I was 59 and a half. I've been in program 15 years. So I will be 76 in March. And I don't feel it. I don't, well, maybe I acted. I don't know. Uh, I don't feel it. I don't perceive myself that way. I perceive myself as full of life as a result of this program. How did I get here? That in itself is a really interesting story. My husband of uh, 27 years wanted a divorce, and that is part of what was my problem, not being able to speak up. So I decided I didn't wanna be in the house. I left the house to him. And I uh, moved into town with my girlfriend who lived on Roxbury Drive. And I went for a walk one day and I brought a book with me and I figured I'd go read. And uh, maybe it was a quarter to 12, 11.30, quarter to 12. And I was sitting behind where we are right now. I was sitting in the park behind Roxbury Community Center. And as I read, and as it got really warm, I saw two people on a bench next to me. And I kind of wished they would get up so that I could move over and be in the shape. And sure enough, they did. And when I walked over, there was, I believe it was blue. There was a 12-stepper left on the bench. They had been to the meeting. That was there, came out, and left it, and I found it. And that was November nineteenth, two thousand six. And I said, "Oh my goodness!" There's a meeting right behind me every Sunday, from ten thirty to twelve. Now I had heard about OA. A friend of mine went to OA in New York, and I just thought it was great diet, you know. I didn't go. I didn't go to meetings. Didn't know what it was. But the following week on November 26, two thousand, mm. very try excuse me, two thousand and six, I went to the meeting. And part of the reason I went to the meeting was not so much to lose weight, because I know how to do that, even though I wasn't successful this last time. I went and wanted to come because I was almost 60 years old. I figured I'd live two thirds of my life, and I did not want to spend the last third of my life hating myself and fighting with the food. So I walked in and I saw people, they were friendly. I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, A fellow who I've known for many years said, Ellie, you look like a deer caught in the headlights. Just didn't know what was gonna happen. Well, I sat down and I listened. And what I heard impressed me and gave me hope. Not only did I hear tremendous weight loss, the more important thing I heard was that people had been maintaining their weight for several years. Now, I didn't know how they did it, but they had something that I wanted. I wanted to be able to do that, so at least I could put that if only I were thin, mantra out of my head the other thing that i heard was a sense of peace and serenity when people spoke that too attracted me so as i listened and people explained their abstinence i heard three meals a day two snacks three meals a day one snack three meals a day and life in between. But what I really heard was, put the fork down. So that made a whole lot of sense to me. And I had eaten breakfast, so that was one meal. I went home to my friend's house, had lunch. That was meal number two. I had dinner, meal number three and I promptly went to bed because that way I would not be tempted to do the back and forth, which I had been doing at her house. I also intuitively knew that the combination of flour and sugar was not something that would work for me. I had 59 years of experience You know, it was like, okay, we will do this. So initially, my abstinence was three meals a day, two snacks, and refrain from the combination of flour and sugar, which by the way, it didn't matter whether it was whole wheat flour and honey, it just is flour and anything sweet. Now, I have maintained that abstinence for 15 years. And thank you. When I came, I told you how I came. Coincidence, which I don't believe in. There's a friend from Arizona who says, coincidence is just God in another name. And that was my first God shot. My second God shot was at the meeting Because after having my three meals and going to sleep, the next morning, I woke up and I had had my first day of abstinence. I see my abstinence as a gift from my higher power, which I cannot explain. Uh, Just the great he, she, it of the universe, which I do believe in something greater than myself that was a gift to me and i have chosen during all this time not to give that gift back it didn't matter who got married or who had a baby or anything like that i didn't have the cake and even when it was pushed on me i said You know, that really looks lovely, but I'm not going to have any. Thank you. I am allergic to flour and sugar combined. And I hadn't even read the big book at the time. So now I can say I was allergic. I had a really abnormal reaction to the combination of flour and sugar. And that was, I wanted more, and I couldn't stop. My abstinence has not been straight and narrow. It has been black and white, but it has not been straight and narrow. I have had to add other things to my abstinence. And for me, this has been an opportunity for discovery. I've had to add peanut butter. I've had to add dried fruit. I've had to add sugar of any kind, not just flour and sugar. And the latest one, which was only two years ago, was potato chips. I have no power. I am powerless over food. What I'm really powerless over is the reaction that my body has when I eat that food. Easy. I choose not to eat it, and that offers me so much freedom. I have a whole variety of things that I can eat, and I don't need to eat that. In step two, we learned that a... a, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves. And that happened for me over time in the sense that my first higher power was uh, Santa Claus type of (laughs) higher power. You do this and I'll do that. So I loved my grandmother, my my mother's maternal mother. I was eight years old when she, and I didn't know it at the time, she had multiple myeloma. And she was in the hospital. And every day my mom would go, and every night I would pray, God, I'll be good if you let her live. That's not what higher power had in store for her. Now, whether I took that, I'll be good. If you do this, to me, well, I guess I'm not good because she didn't live. That I don't know. But that was my first vision of a higher power. And let me tell you, after that incident, done with higher power. But I have gone... In and out and around, I had been part of a, I guess it would be called a cult. And at the time, they talked about God being within. And that kind of worked for me. I didn't stick by the ashram's rules, and I came back to civilization. (laughs) and But that God within helped me. So when I got to step three, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, well, I didn't know how to find higher power, so I sat on the bed talking to whoever would listen. I acted as if, and because I acted as if, I was able to develop this relationship. This relationship that I still have today and work on improving it in the later steps of 10, 11, and 12. Yes, I did my inventory. Yes, I shared it. Yes, I saw my character defects and they were beauties. Mm -hmm. And yes, I asked higher power to remove them. I made a list of people that I had harmed Although not so great, I still do it. And I made amends. Most of my amends were living amends. And I think one of the living amends that I had to make to myself was to treat myself as though as I felt higher power would treat me. If my higher power is a loving God who forgives all that I've done to an era and loves me unconditionally, who am I to say I'm a piece of crap? So that was the beginning for me of establishing a relationship Where not only did my higher power love me unconditionally, I started to love myself and accept myself for who I am. That was a big thing. A big thing because I was that girl who went from 125 to 102, looked in the mirror and said, well, now you're not a fat, ugly shit. You're a skinny, ugly shit.
0: I love that part.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And, And so you could tell where my problem was. I do service. I work with sponsees. I do a big book workshop. I have served on as a delegate. I've served as secretary meetings. I was the chair of the intergroup for a few years, two years, that's enough, two years. (laughs) Um, And what I found is that by giving to others, it came back to me. I love when I see, especially in my big book workshops, when I see the light go on in people's eyes and they get it. They get something. Hopefully, what they get is recovery. I have found recovery as a result of this program. I no longer hate myself, and I no longer fight with the fruit. I don't know that there's anything more that I could want. Material things, they come and they go. A relationship with my higher power and a loving relationship with myself, that's forever. And so if I found hope in these rooms, I'm here to tell you it exists. You can teach an old dog, new tricks, <laughs> And I love what I once heard. Take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. <laughs> we don't know everything we think we know. And life has given us an opportunity, has given me an opportunity. And if you're in this room and here, you too have that opportunity to find that peace, that joy that we are entitled to, that we are worthy of, we are lovable. We deserve to look in the mirror and see that person that is lovable. Thank you for letting me share.